when I think about why inclusion matters, because it's it's different, it's challenging, you know? And if anybody has heard that story or felt that, like the reality is it's like, it is time to extend hands to people across the aisle that don't look like you and really get to know them on a deeper level. Like now is the time for that. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast with Dr. Christina Madison. Dr. Madison's mission is focused on spreading knowledge about public health to create better communities. The Public Health Pharmacist is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast, now part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I have another amazing guest with me today. Ajama is here, and I am so thrilled to have this amazing powerhouse pharmacist and just all around advocate for all things women empowerment and women of color. So I am going to let her do a small introduction of herself, and then we're going to dive into some of these questions that I have for her. All right, Ajama, take it away. (laughs) Well, first of all, Christina, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. I am so honored to be here, y'all. So I just want to get that out of the way because I'm thrilled. It's super exciting. Um, So my name is Ajama. I am a pharmacist. I currently work um, at a large academic medical center in New York City. I should actually start, see, I'm starting all backwards, but I'll, I'll tell you where I graduated from. I went to school at the University of the Sciences in Philadelphia, now called U Sciences. I graduated in 2009. From then, I started a clinical uh, pharmacist position at the Johns Hopkins Hospital, put the V in front of it because they emphasize that when you are there. Um, and then five years into my career, I thought, you know what, I want to be more involved. I want to learn more. So I pursued a non-traditional residency at Hopkins. And so if in case people don't know what that is, that's essentially a PGY-1 over a two-year period. So six months off on rotation, six months off, meaning staffing, and then six months on rotation as a resident. Um, it was not six months consecutively. I, I could do two, three, one to two months here and there. Um, after I completed my residency in 2016, I moved to New York and I took on a position as a lead pharmacist at the large academic medical center is where I'm at right now. And uh, I think really three years into my career here in New York, I transitioned into becoming a manager of specialty pharmacy services where I my primary role is making sure the pharmacy stays accredited with URAC and ACHC um, and also a little bit of just, you know, really a lot of it, provider engagement when it comes to patients and, and making sure that they have what they need um, to optimally serve our patients. And so that, that's where I'm at right now. And <laughs> sorry, Christine, I know this is a mouthful. I'm also a podcaster. So. <laughs> Organic, be your authentic self. <laughs> 
So <laughs> thank you. Um, in March of 2020, I launched my podcast called Black Women Pharmacist, where I, hey, Christina was on there, <laughs> where I get to interview a plethora of Black women in pharmacy doing amazing things because that's just what we do. So thank you. Thank you for having me on here. Absolutely. So, you know, specialty pharmacies, I think a lot of people don't really realize all that in, that entails. And just the fact that, you know, specialty pharmacies in general are doing a lot for helping to expand the provider status of pharmacists and expanding the scope and the role of pharmacists. So I think that that's you know, a fantastic place to be because I think we need more and more pharmacists thinking outside of the box about places that they can um, impact care. So, you know, one of the things I think about is obviously HIV because that's part of my background, but just sexual health and pretty much all things public health, right? But I think a lot of times people don't realize that public health means more than just you know, medications to uh, treat things like STDs and HIV. And then now obviously everybody's thinking about COVID, but like it's clean air, it's clean water. It's, you know, is the sidewalk paved next to your house so that you, if you decide to go for a walk because your doctor told you you needed to exercise that you don't fall down and break a bone, you know, like there's all these things that, you know, the infrastructure that we haven't really been investing in that Mm -hmm. attribute to our overall health and wellness, the fact that there's food deserts, you know, uh, food insecurity, uh, housing insecurity, you know, not being able to live in a place that doesn't have, you know, bad filtration or uh, mold and, you know, cockroaches Mm -hmm. and all these things, right? Which obviously disproportionately impact uh, communities Mm -hmm. of color. So uh, my first question to you, because obviously I'm, I'm very passionate about uh, racial justice and wanting to advocate mm-hmm. for communities of color and vulnerable populations. Where do you see sort of public health principles in your daily practice? Like, where do you see that being promoted? And what are you, what are you feeling like you can do to try to help with some of these discrepancies and disparities? Yeah, no, I I think that's a really good question. And I think, you know, one of the things that, not many very good things, but I think one of the good things that happened as COVID has impacted our communities is we really got to see the disparate impact it had on communities of color, right? On the brown and and black communities and, and what it did to those communities. And then also, like why, right? When you ask yourself why and you think about, okay, what is, what is causing this? Is it the history or the legacy of slaves, right? Like what, what slavery, like what happened? Um, so when I think about my day-to-day and now how we are impacting patients, COVID forced us to get creative. COVID forced us to look at the things that have been overlooked for so long. Um, you got to think about, you know, a lot of pharmacies, if you're sending messages to patients about their refill and you're sending it via text, well, does this patient even have a cell phone? Do, did their, did their numbers change? Um, can this patient read, you know, think things like that. I think, you know, thinking more along the lines of how do you service the patient? How do you service the population of people versus like just 
going on with your day to day and making sure you're crossing your I's and dotting your T's. So for me, I think, especially working in the specialty, specialty pharmacy is making sure that we're hearing from our patients. We're actually listening to them and listening to their needs. Like if, if, if Ms. Jane Doe didn't make it to her doctor's appointment for a follow-up or she can't make it to the pharmacy, like really dig deep to understand what those barriers were that caused her to miss that appointment. And now we know it's more than just not having a car, right? Now we know it's more than, you know, even it's it's more than just maybe you know she she missed the bus right like can she can she afford to miss work that's number one like who is taking care of the kids at home so just like digging deep and understanding like really the the makeup of these patients and trying to meet them where they are versus having them do the work to meet to meet us because i think as healthcare providers if we want to provide patients optimal care, we have to ensure that they have access. Um, so I think that's just one of the things. It's, it's, it's also thinking about patients, you know, I said on a population level, but like it really comes down to having a holistic approach to like the individualized patient, like looking at the, everything that would, could possibly impact them getting the medication or getting the care they need. I know that answer is a little long-winded, but I'm just like, so um, I'm so passionate about that because it's important. And I think that we fail our patients when we don't really take the time to get to know them and get to know what the, the barriers are to, to getting them the best health care they need. I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that oftentimes, uh, you know, we, we're so quick to blame the patient for their situation and not realizing that those barriers are really unsurmountable, right? That the fact that you don't have transportation, it may not be just that you don't have transportation, but maybe you don't have anybody to watch your children so that you can leave. Mm -hmm. And then when you do leave, the only time you can get somewhere is because you need to get to work. So all of those things uh, have mm -hmm. kind of just been blown up by the pandemic, right? Because now we're trying to do telehealth. Yeah. But, you know, even with telehealth and, you know, trying to get kids, you know, doing virtual learning, we realized that there were these whole pockets of people that didn't have bandwidth or, you know, digital service resources, like maybe they only had one computer in their whole house and maybe somebody else was needing it for their job, right? If they did have the luxury Absolutely. of being able to, to work from home or, yeah. you know, maybe they don't live in an area that has enough broadband that they can actually get mm -hmm. internet access that is fast enough that they can do things online or they don't have a smartphone, so they can't use their smartphone. So like all of these things have really been shown to light right because of the pandemic so i, I think there, there are definitely good bad um and some real ugly things that have happened from the pandemic but uh you know i'm, I'm glad to see that it sounds like you have pivoted just like everyone else has uh to try to make mm -hmm. the best of the situation with that being said um can you talk i mean obviously living in new york city which is you know was the epicenter of the 
you know, COVID-19 outbreak at the very beginning of the pandemic. Uh, can you share with us, you know, how things have changed for you personally um, within your practice, as well as just how you're going about your day-to-day, uh, being that you're living, you were living in an area that was so directly impacted by the pandemic and, and was really the face of the pandemic for so long? Yeah, you know, I I must say, and this is one of the things that I'm actually most proud of is like, number one, changes, I think, when you have a pandemic that impacts like a whole healthcare system like that, you really see the good come out of people. You really see the camaraderie and the teamwork, the effort that people are willing to put to really, you know, come up with a solution at the end of the day and, and say, hey, I'm all in, how can I help? So that's one thing I think that was good. Um, it's certainly one of the things, and, and part of my, most of my role actually is dealing with accreditation and regulatory items. So I'm not involved in direct patient care. Um, but what I, I did note was that it, when it did come time to like switch up and, and, and make a change and, and do something else or have to volunteer to do this, like, or like if I had to do like remote order verification for an, an, a different hospital, we have like 10 different hospital um, we, hospitals within the health system, I was willing to do that. Um, so I think just having that mentality that it's a team effort and it's a team approach in order to combat this, you know, horrific disease um, is one of the things that I pride myself in most and thinking about also the work that the team team on the ground have done like honestly i don't really deserve any type of recognition um it's really the technicians and the pharmacists that are there day in day out um that you know when it came time specifically in the specialty pharmacy uh when we're dealing with our inventory right and when it came time to really for for like we i think they had passed some type of legislation that patients were allowed to now have like 60 to 90 day refills. And so when you think about the inventory, you need enough inventory to be able to like service the patients and mail their prescriptions out. And unfortunately at the time, um, our wholesaler decided that it was, you know, because they wanted to have enough for the other hospitals in the area, they were allocating supply based on what you previously had, maybe the, the month before. And so that's not going to work when you're dealing with COVID and patients are really scared and they are afraid that they might not get their medications. Um, and so I, I think just watching people like, be calm in the face of adversity. I think that was something that I think is commendable and it's admirable because that's when it, you really, people really show you who they are. Um, and I think I just, I wanna really shout out to the, give a shout out to the team in New York because I didn't see people break down. I saw them rise to the occasion and do what they had to do. I didn't really hear much complaining about, oh, we have to do this, we had to do that. No, they were just so pliable. Um, they were willing to go above and beyond. And I think when you think about it, it's beautiful because the patients became the center. They became the focus um, and, and as they always should be. Um, 
but it wasn't really a COVID thing. It was a how do we make sure we are caring for a patient thing. Um, and I think that's what I really, you know, appreciated about like the, the time when the pandemic was at its height and it was heightened. We had to create new hospitals like that, the field hospital. Um, so things were chaotic, but people the really Javelin held it together. Center. Yeah. All of those things that you guys utilized. Yeah. Yeah. It, people really, really held it together though. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it was lovely to see. And I'm just, I'm so happy that. You know, I could be a part of that. Like that was history in the making, and I got to watch a team flourish, and that's awesome. <laughs> no, I agree. That's amazing. So, uh, I mean, obviously, you said a little bit about your leadership journey earlier, about how you got to your current position, and that you are, um, you know, in a leadership role, which is amazing. Uh, who would you say <laughs> is one of your biggest? like inspirations or someone who you feel really helped you with your leadership journey? You know, I really have to, <laughs> I really have to say Patrice Dupart. And I don't know if she listens to the podcast. I hope she does, but she's the VP um, at Presbyterian where I work now. And I say this because she's a black woman and um, when I first started working there, she wasn't there, you know, with someone else. And, and, and certainly I'm not, you know, no disrespect to anybody else, but there's something that happens when you see yourself represented in a leader. And I remember the first day that she got there, it was maybe not the first day, the first day I got to meet her, certainly. I mean, Christina, you would have thought I was a damn kid in the candy store. Can I say damn? I just said damn. <laughs> you would have thought I was a... <laughs> We're going to have to put a reading on this podcast, <laughs> Gemma. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you would have thought I was a kid in the candy store because I had the biggest brightest smile on my face I knew people around me was just like thinking like girl wipe that smart like wipe that smile off your face like quit quit geeking over there but like I was so happy to see her I was like so thankful that like a she had that position and I could look up to her and like be like real like be myself and talk to her about like my concerns and my issues and and she would understand um and so for me, when I saw her, I, I, at that point, and I, you know, I, I, I do share this a little bit on my own podcast, like, honestly, at times in the pharmacy profession, I got a little discouraged about my roles, you know, I wanted more and I sometimes, and it's both my, my issue and, and issues that, you know, that maybe it was out of my control, but certainly something that I can control. But when you are discouraged, you're almost disengaged. I want to say she re-engaged me. She was kind of like a light for me that I didn't even know I needed. Um, because before I started my podcast, like between you and I, don't tell anybody else, <laughs> I wanted to get out of pharmacy altogether. I was ready to be done so. Wow. And then I saw this woman. That's yeah. a and then I Yeah. And then I saw her and then I talked to her. And she's the one who picked my brain about leadership. She's the one who got me thinking like, 
Like, what do you want? What do you want out of your profession? What is it that you want to do? And so to have that type of leader, like a VP asking me those questions, it made me like realize like, you just want to snap out of it. Like, girl, you are meant to lead. You are meant to grow. You are meant to succeed. Like, why are you putting a cap on your success? Like, go and fly like a bird. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, seeing her and, and just, you know, being like being able to talk to her for real, like sitting down with, she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to ask. She didn't have to talk to me, but she did. Um, so absolutely. I think I have to name her because that was a, a turning point in my career. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so fantastic to hear. And I think just to reiterate again, representation matters. You know, if you, yeah. if you don't see yourself, it's so much more difficult to try to envision yourself in you know, in that role. And so anything that we can do to increase visibility, um, and in particular, because of, you know, what you're doing with your podcast of women and women of color who are succeeding, I think it helps those who don't see themselves reflected in positions that they didn't even think were possible for them. So I just think that's amazing. Um, and I love that she reinvigorated you. And I wonder, you know, with that comment that you made about, you know, thinking about getting out of the profession, I wonder how many people we've lost because they felt like they were, you know, disengaged and, and how they didn't see themselves, you know, advancing. And I wonder how many people, good people we've lost because of that. And, and I think there needs to be a renewed focus on, you know, maybe even just talking to students in, you know, primary school about different career paths. And oftentimes I'll talk to, you know, younger people and they're like, oh, I didn't even know pharmacy was even something I could even think about going into because it wasn't an option to them. It was never presented to them as being an option. Exactly. You know, so until we can really start fostering those relationships early on, I think, we're going to continue to struggle to see ourselves reflected in leadership positions or even positions where, where they're the ones making decisions, right? Because the other part of this too is exactly. not just not just our personal and professional advancement, but also how people are treated within the workplace and then also how people are treated within healthcare. Because if you're, yeah. and then this is actually something that I've realized uh, while I've been doing media, right? So like, I didn't realize I was this oddball unicorn in the, you know, in the span of like, you know, doing, doing media appearances, right? So like, mm -hmm. I am, you know, I'm a healthcare professional, but I didn't know that there was such a lack of representation as far as like black women and then also medical mm -hmm. experts, there's very few, mm -hmm. right? And so I had a colleague of mine asked me to come on as a guest speaker for hers. She teaches a journalism course. And I, you know, said, absolutely, I'll totally come on and talk about my experience over the last year, just, you know, being in the media and just being asked to, to come on and be a healthcare media contributor. And I had no idea how challenging it was for journalists and even just having a a person of color in a leadership position, how that actually changes how the story is framed. And it's like, mm -hmm. how are we going to, like, if we're not the ones telling our story and someone else is, 
do you really think that the real facts are going to come out? And that's like, like it blew me away. And I just was like, I mean, and and then thinking about that relating to, to healthcare, if the physician or the healthcare provider doesn't look and sound like me, how much am I going to take their recommendations? hundred percent. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like there's a different, the reality is when there's an understanding of the person sitting, and this goes back to a, a lot of things, but when you can understand the person that is across the aisle from you, right? then it makes the communication so much easier. It makes that part of like, it it takes the pressure off, right? You can be forthcoming, you can be open. And I think when when you go back and when you said, how many people have we lost because maybe they didn't see themselves. Like that is the reality. Like you got to think about it. Like, and that's what I, how, how many people have taken themselves out of the game because they didn't think it was possible for them to win. Right. And so that's what I think about all the time. That is how I decided to come up with my podcast because Christine, I was going to take myself out the game. I was going to throw myself in another game. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that is so important to think about because we should be the ones telling our story. And the reality is right now, the face of pharmacy still has a long way to go. We still have a long way to make, we have strides to go when you think about who is really taking up the seats um, at those leadership tables, who, who is really making up, like making the decisions. And so I think, you know, that's why, and, and we can talk about this later, but that's when, when you, when you think of allyship, that's why that's so important because you need people who are leading the way to be able to extend a hand to you and extend a hand out and say, Hey, I got you. Come share your own story. Hey, I'm requesting your presence here so that you can share, bring your value to the table because not, not because we just, we want to hear your value. Your value is necessary in order for us to grow and thrive as an organization and grow and thrive as human beings, period. Um, And so I think when I just think about my own experiences that I just, it was a complete game changer for me, Um, completely shifted my own perspective of what I could potentially become. And I think it's important. And you're right. We should be going into the elementary schools. We should be talking to the middle schoolers. We should be talking to the high schoolers. We should be showing them all of the options that they have because for so long they weren't exposed to that. Um, so yeah, I think that's just so important. But <laughs> Yeah. And again, I think, you know, kind of going back to the thought process of, you know, the representation side, I think a lot of times, you know, we're waiting to be invited because we think that there's a seat for us at the table, but oftentimes that seat isn't there because they didn't think that it was needed. And so understanding that if you don't see the seat at the table and you haven't been invited, maybe you need to pull your chair up, you know? Girl, say it. And I feel like, again, Part of part of the reason why I feel like I've had success is partially because of my naivete, right? So I am a typical only child that <laughs> um, is very much like I'm. I, I'm not going to say that I'm selfish because I, I don't think I'm selfish, but I am very much 
you know, when I think of things, I just think about like, well, there's a problem, here's a solution, right? Like, I don't think about, you know, who came before me because I've always been the only, right? Like I've been a only. So it's that trailblazer side of me has yeah. never been an issue. And I, I, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to try new things. I'm not afraid to, you know, step into the room that nobody told me I was okay to go in, you know? And so it's been really interesting to see people ask me like, well, how did you do this? Or how did you do that? And it's like, almost like because of that naivete and because of that, just like leap of faith mentality, I didn't let all the baggage of nobody going before me, let me not want mm -hmm. to do the thing that I wanted to do. Right. So you know, I got asked to do one media appearance and I liked it. And I'm like, I want to do this again. So I created the space to make it happen. Right. And now I, I keep getting it. people asking me, well, how'd you get into that? And did it? I'm like, I asked mm -hmm. like how many times in life have we not done something? And if we had just asked the question, mm -hmm. we could have been invited or we could have been included. Right. Like, yeah. And I feel like I'm like, and part of that is also seeing yourself reflected. Right. So you mm -hmm. never asked the question because you never saw yourself there. And when yeah. you saw and yourself think, there, mm -hmm. you asked the question. Right. Yeah. And I think too, it, it's, it's twofold. Right. Because so I, I don't consider myself a quiet or shy person or, um, I, I'm actually very vocal. I'm, I'm open to speaking. I think I'm open to, I am, I saw myself as a go-getter and I actually still see myself as a go-getter, but I think sometimes what happens is sometimes you feel like you are hitting a brick wall with people over and over and over again. And when you see other people that maybe come in that maybe don't look like you and they are not met with the same brick wall, you start to question. You start to think like, okay, what is it? And and obviously, I mean, for me, it goes, it gets, boils down to, okay, so why are we different? Like, what, what's the difference between me, person A and person B? And oftentimes for me, it was, okay, maybe it's my skin color. As sad as that is to say, it's the reality of it all. Um, and for me, it was kind of like, okay, so how do I, how do I handle this? And so when, when, when someone is consistently met with a brick wall and they see, they finally get to see the other side, which is kind of what happened when I saw Patrice. It was kind of like, maybe I have a chance to get over this brick wall because maybe she will understand <laughs> my plight <laughs> maybe she will get what I'm trying to do here and I think for me I, I think it you know maybe it wasn't necessarily that but maybe it was like two folds whatever but it my point is not only should we be pushing boundaries because that's one part of it absolutely push boundaries do what you have to do but it shouldn't be so hard it shouldn't be so hard. And I'm not saying they need to make it easy, but it shouldn't be harder than Bobby Sue over there. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it shouldn't be harder. And so my point is like, we need to eat, we, we need to level the playing field. Um, that's just my, my two cents, but. <laughs> 
I mean, it's, it's about equity, right? Because Absolutely. you have to actually call out the fact that it isn't exactly. and that we mm-hmm. are starting at a different point and that it is harder mm-hmm. for us and it's, mm-hmm. and it is more challenging. So I think even just calling that out and saying that mm-hmm. is a huge step in the right direction. And I don't know if we would be at that point if it hadn't been for some of the really horrible things that happened in 2020 in relation to racial justice and injustice. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And you got to think about it. Like when, before, you know, we saw all of this before America really realized or came to its reckoning with racism, Remember that my podcast had been has started the previous year in 2019. I actually started October 2019 Brown Skin Stories because that's where it started. And I wanted to highlight the stories of Black people through stories from their own perspective because I didn't see that narrative. I didn't really see us telling our own stories too many times. And so that's when it started for me. So then when you fast forward to March of 2020, so in, I think it was January, I decided that I'm just, I was going to flip my podcast. I was going to rebrand a Black Women Pharmacist because this was something that was really important to me. I had just took on this new role and I said, like, I haven't seen enough. I, I know there are women out there doing their thing, like, doing great in leadership. I know there are Black women out there and I want to learn from them. I want to reach out to the Christina Madisons of the world. I want to reach out to the Shara Reeds of the world. I want to learn from these women because clearly they are killing it in their careers and I want to know what they are doing and why they are so happy and why I was almost miserable. I was almost supposed to walk away. You know what I mean? And so you have to think about that because before they came to, like before America came to this uh, racial, you know, reckoning with racism and, and the history and the legacy of, of you know, slavery and, and structural, you know, racism, like, this was a thing for me, not because America decided to get woke. It was because I was already living it. Like, these were my experiences, honey. I was already a weapon wake since 1985. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just saying I was, that was when I was born, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, I, mean, I think we have a ways to go, but I'm so happy that these conversations are being had. I think for too long, they have been, these conversations have been happening just amongst like the, like the small communities of like black people, brown people, and some other people that maybe have done the work that understand the history um, and the impact that racism has had on on society totally. Um, so I'm just so thankful that people are open to these conversations. I'm so thankful that we can sit here right now and speak about this. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid that I'm like, people are going to look at me and think I'm crazy or like think or gaslight me for, for my thinking. And actually, can I tell a, a little bit of a story right now? Absolutely. Um, and then I have a very good I, question to ask you. <laughs> Okay. So I had, I don't know if you know about this, but in October of 2020, I did a program. I launched a program with two other pharmacists. Shout out to Kevin Scott and Iman Ahmed. 
Um, they are amazing. We launched a program called Reaching Residency, and the intent of the program, the, the aim was to increase the percentage of Black residents in the U.S., right? And so I had, you know, reached out to a whole bunch of preceptors. I had posted, like, on the gram, on Facebook, just, like, broadcasting this program, asking preceptors, like, guys, I need your help. I think I reached out to you, too. But, like, you did, and I, I, I felt I, like, so bad I wasn't able to help don't out. Don't feel bad. You, don't feel bad. You actually helped me. You gave me a resource, and that, that was clutch, that too. True. So thank you. Please do not feel bad. No, you definitely helped. Um, but I reached out to these preceptors and I'm like, guys, you know, I need your help. And so the first meeting, we had two different meetings with preceptors. And the first meeting, I think I had like over 60 preceptors in attendance and I was so excited. And one of the ladies that, um, came that joined us, she, maybe there was like two or three white preceptors in the whole entire thing, maybe two. And, um, and I remember thinking, not even thinking about it. And since then, her and I have actually really formed a very close, like we're close. We talk a lot, like she's great. I, I appreciate her. I'm just gonna just give a shout out to CE Impact because they actually provided a, <laughs> they provided um, an online module for the <laughs> students or prospect. Yes, she's so amazing. I love Suzanne. I gotta say, I was gonna let her share her story, but I asked her, so she said, okay. But I, Suzanne is hands down so amazing. She's such a dynamic woman. And I've gotten to know her and I just so appreciate the connection. That's another reason why I just love podcasting. I can just connect with so many people. She sent me an email the other day and basically said, listen, um, thank you for what you're doing. You know, I, I, she wanted to share a personal story, which now I'm making it not personal by sharing it all with you guys, but she gave you permission. Um, and she said, you know, when she joined us for reaching residency, her first thought was she was disappointed because of the lack of, I want to say diversity, but really the lack of like white preceptors or preceptors that were not black, right? So non-black non preceptors. That was her first thought. And then her second thought was, did she really belong there? Like, did she, was she accepted? Because like, now she's like the only one in a sea full of black people. And so she felt like, do they even want me there? Like, and, and do I belong? And she said, to be clear, no one made me feel that way but that's just the way that she felt. And then she came to her realization and said she had to sit with that for a little bit. And I was so, I almost was in tears when, when I read her email, because I was like, thank you for sharing that. Number one, like just her, like her own personal realization of what people go through when they are not the majority. So what minorities go through, what black women face or black men face when they are in a room filled with people that don't look like them. And it's not necessarily that people are making them feel unwanted, but it's a feeling that you get. It's like, is this place for me? And so I think you know, and, and, and now that I even think back when, when she said that, and, and maybe I, I, from my standpoint, I could have been like, well, 
I could have made her feel a little more included, you know, but that's what I kind of think about when I, when I think about why inclusion matters, because it's, it's different. It's challenging, you know, and, and if anybody heard that story or felt that, like the reality is it's like, it is time to extend hands to people across the aisle that don't look like you and really get to know them on a deeper level. Like now is the time for that. Now is the time to understand your, we are human beings. We are people like we need to start really like, like coexisting, forming a coalition of people that are just, they want to like, grow and learn each other and communicate on all across the aisle on all, on all fronts because it makes so much more of a difference when you can have everyone's perspective brought to the table um but that was her story and I wanted to share that because I thought that wow this is such a powerful thing coming from Suzanne like I think other people would understand that part I don't know Maybe I'm babbling now, but stop me, Christina. <laughs> so I think that's a perfect transition because I want you to tell our listeners about your new allyship program and what that's about. And because I think it really dovetails with that story, right? Because you're talking about people feeling included and people feeling wanted and maybe not realizing it's okay to not necessarily be part of the community, right? But still be an ally. And I think I struggle with that too, because so much of my patient population identifies as either a sexual or gender minority. And there mm -hmm. are very, there is, I would say majority of our providers that do focus on that patient population happen to be part of the community. But I mm -hmm. truly feel that I am that A for ally, right? So. I don't have to be in the community. I don't have to be lesbian, gay, transgender, you know, non-binary, uh, bisexual. I don't have to identify in one of those, you know, areas to want to advocate and help that community. And it's something that I feel passionate and strongly about because I had a student who disclosed to me that they were trans and were having challenges accessing resources while they were in pharmacy school. And for me, like it really hit home because first of all, I was, I, I felt, you know, very uneducated. And so then of course I quickly educated myself. Um, but just like that, you know, when we talk about gender-based health, that we really need to do better when it comes to transgender folks. 100%. And like, it's a huge deficit. And in particular, even more so in pharmacy, because so much of what goes mm -hmm. on with their transition has to do with hormone therapy. And so we should be their allies. And that judgment that they get at the pharmacy is just, it is not necessary. And not, just, it's you know, fair. And so I think that's like my first thing when I think of allyship, but I think it's amazing that you're, you're kind of branching out from that and you are turning it on its head. So tell us a little bit more. Well, so I, you know, I, first of all, I love how you said you, you stopped to educate yourself first, right? When, when you, you know, encountered your student, I think that's important. And I think for me, I launched a campaign or I'm launching a campaign or the campaign has launched. Um, it's called Allies for Black Women Pharmacists. And 
what it is is really for a way to openly engage communities that are not black and that are you know community the communities from other places you can be white you can be asian you can you can be a woman of color it doesn't matter but what it is is me reaching out to say hey like we can't do this on our own and we don't want to do this on our own um, we need allies. We need allies to, to come in and represent and just be able like, want to include us in things. And so what I did was I designed t-shirts specific to this campaign. Um, and I would love if everyone could go purchase a t-shirt, um, for, for the campaign specifically rock their t-shirt, post it on social media with a selfie and share why allyship matters to you and why it's important, right? Um, and then I, you know, 10% of those proceeds will be going to two different pharmacy organizations that do the work to uplift the communities of color. Um, one specifically will be women in pharma, uh, women of color in pharma. And the other one I'm still toggling between, um, but that will be coming out soon. But the reality is, um, these are the organizations that are also uh, that are doing the work to invest in the minority community, in the minority pharmacy community. Um, they do the work of mentorship. They do the work of bringing our pharmacy students up and making sure that they have what they need to get to the next level in their profession. And so, I think it's important that these larger organizations that have stood in solidarity with us that have you know definitely made statements of really wanting to show up as an ally have the opportunity to do so through this campaign um so it's just something i'm really excited about it's like my little baby that i birthed and i'm so excited for it i had some of my closest allies that i work with um, you know, rock the t-shirts, you know, give their statements. And I can't wait to like really just continue to make this a movement in pharmacy. I think the time is now. And, um, you know, I really, I really want this allyship to be normalized in our profession. Um, so I think that's important. Fantastic. So I will definitely include all of that information in the show notes so people can find that. So I have one yeah. last question for you and then you can. Oh, tell wait, can I just this. share? Oh, wait. OK, I'm go ahead. Sorry, I forgot. To, I'm sorry. I forgot to give you guys the website. I'm so excited. I'm like, it's actually if you go to blackwomenpharmacists.com slash allies and that's A-L-L-I-E-S. OK. Sorry, Christina. I'll no problem. Not a problem. <laughs> so I just have one last question and then you can tell people where they can find you because I'm sure they're going to want to follow you on social media, find out more about your podcast guests and more about the work that you're doing for communities of color and for Black women pharmacists. Right? Yeah. All right. Yep. So, uh, so what would you say is something that you would tell your younger self um, that you know now uh, at the beginning of your career that you wish that you had known and why? What would you tell your younger self? That's a good one. Um, I think I would have told myself that 
to just think outside of the box. Like think, don't box yourself into what you think you know, because you're so young in your life and in your career that you don't know what you don't know. Um, and so do your diligence, uh, like research other, you know, people and what they've done and where they've taken their farm D's. Don't get caught up with, um, you know, the typical roles that people may have after school. And then I would also tell myself, like, go out and shadow people, go out and learn from these people, um, really understand what it looks like for them on a day to day. Like, what are they doing? Um, how are they living? Um, and learn from them. I think, uh, mentorship is really a great way to learn what to do and more importantly, what not to do. Um, so <laughs> I would tell myself, girl, get a mentor and go learn. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. If you can see it, you can be it, right? hundred <laughs> percent. Fantastic. Okay. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so happy that you agreed to be on the podcast. So if people want to find you on their favorite social media du jour, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on Instagram at Black Woman Pharmacist and on Twitter, I'm at Black Woman Far One. <laughs> um, on Facebook, I'm at Black Woman Pharmacist or my name, Ijama Akacha. And I'm on LinkedIn at Ijama Akacha. So you can find me on all those platforms. Fantastic. Uh, well, thank you so much again for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure having you and dialoguing with you. And I hope that um, we could chat again and we could talk about how your new initiative is going. And I just wish you all the best in your future success. Thank you so much, Christina. This has been an absolute ple pleasure to just be on here. I'm honored that you decided to reach out to me for this. But I'm so excited for you and what you're doing in your career. I'm watching you. Um, you're definitely one of the pharmacists that I look up to um, and just I, I admire you a lot. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Your kind words are very heartfelt. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, have a great rest of your day. Time is our most precious asset. And we thank you for spending your time with us and Dr. Madison, the public health pharmacist. Learn more at thepublichealthpharmacist.com.